This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey and I'm joined by Katie Bulls and James Forsyth. Lord Gite, Boris Johnson's ethics advisor, resigned from his position last night. Katie, Lord Gite's position has looked perilous for a while, hasn't it? I think there's been signs of unhappiness from Lord Gite for a while now, as you mentioned. So it's quite interesting last night because government's all saying they've been taken by surprise by this. And I think we'll get into, obviously, what the letter alludes to, and that might be what they were surprised by. But I think in terms of generally speaking, I think if we go back as far as Wallpapergate, where Lord Gite who is uh, Johnson's second uh, ethics advisor, ultimately found a way to clear Boris Johnson. And then later on, these messages emerged, these WhatsApp messages that Boris Johnson had not submitted. And I think that was a clear point where you could see there was frustration from Lord Guy. And then I think more recently on Partygate, uh, we saw Lord Guy uh, raise frustrations and concerns at the fact that despite uh, receiving a fixed penalty notice, Boris Johnson had not raised well this, uh, you know, had any impact on the ministerial code. Um, and uh, then I think uh, finally, also when it comes to the reforms to the system, Lord Guy uh, said in his report that he was frustrated at it being on the lower end of the scale of ambitions, in the sense that I think what Lord Guy wanted to see was a situation where he could choose things or look at things to investigate of his own accord rather than having to take instruction. That's not something the government went for. So I think there's been a few tensions building up and then of course you had the select committee appearance at the beginning of the week which I think was pretty painful for Lord Guy and perhaps focused his mind but I think as perhaps James will explain we've just seen the resignation letter this this resignation letter is fascinating in the sense that it talks about some of those concerns over party gay and the fixed penalty notice but he said Lee's inconsistencies and deficiencies notwithstanding, I believe that it was possible to continue credibly as independent advisor, albeit by a very small margin. Um, so not exactly a ringing endorsement of Boris Johnson and Partygate there, but saying that he still thought he could probably hang on. Um, instead, he says it's a more recent matter, which is the reason he has uh, decided to step down. James, what did you make of the resignation letter and then Boris Johnson's response to it? So Lord Guy has resigned over steel tariffs essentially the uk wants to keep up on tariffs on uh, on i believe chinese steel despite the trade remedies authority the kind of post-brexit body saying no, no no you can't do that you know and i think that lord guide was consulted about this because of the ministerial code requires ministers to uphold the law wh- whether they could do this when given the dubious legality of it but i think it is as katie said it's quite clear from his stinging resignation letter that this was the straw that broke the camel's back rather than him having been perfectly content and then faced with the issue of steel tariffs saying oh my word i must go and i think one of the things that lord guy has been in an almost impossible position for really quite some time because you know one of the code of someone like lord guy is that you know you should not bring down kind of elected politicians, and that has put him in this very awkward situation, because you know I think he did not want to resign at various previous points. It would have looked like an implication that he thought the prime minister should resign, so he sat tight. But it became kind of harder and harder for him on a whole slew of issues. I think one would not mean being overly cynical if one said that this presented an opportunity for him to go over an issue that was kind of discreet in a way. 
but you can tell from his letter that this is someone who doesn't leave a post with kind of you know with a kind of warm feeling he leaves a post cross about what the ordeal that he has been put through Kate, if this was quite a helpful opportunity for Lord Guyte to resign, perhaps, was it also helpful timing for Boris Johnson? Now the confidence vote is out the way and there are other stories in the news about Northern Ireland and the Rwanda deportation plan. Yeah, I think there's definitely more problematic timings that this could have happened. And also, as James touches on, because he's specifying it's about this other dispute. And I think there are questions as to why he was consulted on this. I think there is surprise in Whitehall that number 10 went to him on this question, there is a debatable question about whether it reflects on being very cautious because of how cross Lord Guy was about Boris Johnson not referencing the code when dealing with his party gate fine. But, but I think it is a surprise to people that he was being consulted on this question. Um, but by resigning on that issue, he is resigning on something which is not so much about the personal con- conduct of the Prime Minister. Now, clearly it relates to it in the sense that he's saying, well, if you plan to break the code, but I feel it is different than Wallpapergate and Partygate, which were things which were much more about Boris Johnson's personal uh, carriage almost in conduct of in, in Downing Street. And I think it's also important just to, 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 to rudely interrupt for a second. I think I, th- I think it will not have escaped Lord Guide's notice but this is an issue on which there is cross-party consensus about keeping these tariffs in place. So you combine the fact it is the less political decision along with the timing which is not so political because we've had the confidence vote even if there is another confidence vote in Boris Johnson you know before the 12 months are up no one really expects it to be in the next few weeks or even months and therefore I think that the timing is something which, uh, whether it's tactical or not, I think has been done in a way that means it is not uh, as politically risky or difficult for Boris Johnson as it could have been. And look, the next problem that Boris Johnson is stuck with is he's got to find a third ethics advisor. And I think it is fair to say that this is not a particularly appealing job to take on, given uh, what's happened to the, the previous two incumbents. I think it is hard to see how Boris Johnson could hire someone unless he is prepared to, Katie referred to Lord Guyte's criticism about the low level of ambition about reforms to the post. I think whoever takes on the job is going to say, well, I'm not taking it until you make it clear that I can launch an investigation into anything that I want and that no one can stop me. Now, and I think this is a problem for Boris Johnson because it took him quite some time to find Lord Guyte after Alex Allen, the previous ethics advisor quit it will become embarrassing if they take a long time to find somebody else but they also i think will be reluctant to concede that the independent ethics advisor can start an investigation into anything that they want to i think that you know but they i think there's a mixture of they don't like that idea and also a kind of view that you know that the the, the prime minister is you know in charge of the code and then how could you have a someone above him deciding to launch investigations which the Prime Minister doesn't want. I just do not see how you could persuade anyone to take this job unless you offered them that right because they have to be able to say credibly well well the reason I'm doing this job is because the nature of a job is changing and so I'm not going to end up in the same predicament as my two predecessors. And Katie you've had news from the Bank of England today. 
Yes, so they've raised interest rates to 1.25%, um, which is the fifth consecutive rate rise. And it also comes as the inflation forecast, I think, are worse than the bank had predicted, if you think, going back to a year ago. So they're now warning that inflation will exceed 11% in October. Now, it comes after you've seen a big rise in the US. And again, I think it's just going to point into how difficult the cost of living is going to be, but also how there is still a bit of a blame game playing out in the sense that there is frustration that um, particularly at the Bank of England governor and I was that they uh, miscalculated this I mean there are two two things I would flag here one is the Bank of England's rate rise is, is considerably less than the Fed's that is significant because the pound is losing value against the dollar that matters because the oil price is denominated in dollars and so you know that means that the inflationary effects of oil price increases will be greater here because the pound is weakening and then I think the second worry is, you know, that the Bank of England is, is now predicting that inflation will be uh, over 11% by October. So, you know, the, uh, and again, you know, this is inflation, make, as Katie said, that inflation makes everybody poorer, apart from a, a very, very small number of people. And what it is doing is it's going to make politics even more scratchy and put more pressure on the government to do more to help with the cost of living, despite the fact that the government has already announced kind of £21 billion of support on energy bills. And so I think that you can see how hard and difficult politics is going to get. You know, and Freddie Gray writes in this week's magazine you know, about how you know, inflation is essentially undermining almost every leader in the, in the Western world right now. Inflation in the double digits. Great. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the next 12 weeks of The Spectator in print and online for just £12. And we'll send you a copy of associate editor Douglas Murray's new book, The War on the West, worth £20, absolutely free. Join the party today at spectator.co.uk forward slash Murray.